0: Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned, and here I am again, Tony Nash, the CEO of Booktopia, with another author, and Jonathan Creek with his book, Like, Comment, Share, Buy, subtitle, The Beginner's Guide to Marketing Your Business with Video Storytelling. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Tony. It's uh, an honor to be here, to be honest.
0: Probably um, your what your parents or your friends said, an author. Is he ever going to write a book? um is that uh, was it was is writing a, was writing a book a uh, a journey in itself for you or was it pretty straightforward because you knew your subject matter really well
1: uh, i think uh the journey to me writing to the, writing a book is an interesting one um i come from a long line or a long family line of engineers and school teachers and i came along uh, as the youngest of three and decided that i love the media so I've always done things a little bit differently. I remember when I was going to school, they always said, what do you want to be? And I said, I want to be a TV reporter. I just love video. I was always running around with video cameras around the streets. You know, I used to borrow one off the neighbor and the, you know, it was the big VHS tapes and you couldn't edit. There was no way of editing anything except in the camera. And so I was always fascinated with video and, and television and, um, and I did things a little bit differently. So, so everyone was saying, you know, oh, you're never going to be a journalist. And I remember my dad sitting down. He's a pretty practical CEO type. And uh, he sat me down and said, listen, I know you want to be a TV reporter, but let's do the stats. And so he went through and he said, well, you're not going to be on the ABC because you're you're a bit too brash for that. You know, you're know, you're, you a bit too hyped up. And I'm like, yeah, fair enough. And and he said to her, you're not going to do SBS because you don't know a second language. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, and for those outside Australia, that's our, our government channel and then our foreign language government-sponsored channel. So they're out. So it only left three TV stations. And he went and counted all the journalists in all the newsrooms and essentially he said, well, if you're going to get a job in Melbourne, it's the equivalent of getting on to an AFL football list, yet there's only one team in the whole state. So I think you should think about a backup plan. And... um And I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't because I I spent 20 great years as a TV reporter at the doorstep of history and everyone naturally was like, oh, you're going to be a sports reporter, a sports reporter. It's like, no, I want to be an investigator. I love stories. I want to meet different people every day and tell their stories. And that was sort of my love for, and at the time, my grandfather, um, he was writing a book. So he wrote two books. one called uh, Business is a Funny Business, which n- never got published. And I actually have just secured in the last two weeks a copy of it, his hand-typed copy. And and then the other one he wrote was, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was basically the theory is that uh, that humans are the aliens on Earth. And he went back through all the Egyptian... Hieroglyphics and all the ancient cultures and spoke about how how he believes that aliens were pushed to earth and that book didn't get published either and he was quite disappointed that he never got that done and so I think in the back of my mind I was like you know what I'm going to do this I'm going to go and publish a book and and do it partly for him and uh yeah roll around um ISO 1 and I had a bit of a book bashed together over a couple of years on my topic and I think I was doing that originally just to get more clarity around what I was teaching and how I was transferring that information. And I thought by writing a book would be a really good way to just to step it out and help me. And yeah, ISO one rolled around. I just got uh, really thankful to Lucy and the team at Wiley's who as soon as it sort of got out there that I had a book, they jumped on it. And here we are. So it was a good use of isolation one.
0: Congratulations, and and uh, to your family legacy as well. To to notch one up onto the onto the shelves of the, the bookshops around the country. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, for then, those cynical engineers in my family that said, "No, go go and get a real job. You can't make a living out of being creative." And then on my mum's side, yeah, she was a school teacher at a, a, she was a special school teacher for nearly forty years, and and she really wasn't a great believer in entrepreneurism or being an entrepreneur. She didn't, she, she wasn't that confident that you could go out and make a living yourself. And so she was, you know, I suppose I was causing my parents, I've caused my parents more wrinkles than the other two brothers combined, I think. So
0: so did they get to see your success in, in journalism? Um, Are they still around or have they passed or?
1: No, my parents are still around. Um, My dad's starting to have some, uh, Sort of memory challenges, but I was really chuffed the other day. They've just moved into a new place uh, down the Mornington Peninsula here in Victoria and and I was actually I brought my kids back from the beach and here he was uh reading the book. So and yeah I I don't you know I don't know if it actually if he can read a book or how that works with him. He's got some memory issues and um but he was giving it a go and that really um yeah that was a that was a moment for me that I'll cherish forever and yeah. Yeah, I think they're my biggest advocates. They've moved into a uh, sort of like an apartment block complex down the coast. And I think almost everyone in the building, uh, my mum walks around with the book and holds it and knocks on the door and says, my son's book. And um, yeah, she's really proud. And and, I'm proud to have done it um,
0: for them to see it. Yeah, good on you. So let's let's give um, the listeners a little bit more of an insight because you've um, obviously, you've been at the forefront of, of media and media creation and being on, on the front line of a story. And, and then how do you get that translated into a very short message so, so people can get the greatest value of, of your time and their time? So um, to then take, take that and be able to somehow um, inspire, educate the rest of us uh the you know the the craft of of good investigative reporting and then think about today which of course you would have never dreamed of when you got into the industry that everyone is a reporter um out there with a camera and a, and a phone and and anything could be happening on the street and and we've seen it we've actually seen news where we're using people's uh footage from their phones to actually become part of the story how how easy is it to make that leap? I mean, when you think about you know Booktopia as a business, there's a lot of people that I know who are business people or got a business idea, or even just trying to sell their wares. You know, they may be cleaning houses, they may be mowing lawns, they may be doing something that um, that they want to let people know about. Is it is it really that difficult, or is it actually easier than you think?
1: I think there's a couple of parts to that question. Um, you mentioned that everyone now is a citizen journalist you know, everyone's got a phone. And, you know, if something's happening, someone will have a phone and capture it. And that was a big part of the trigger into me writing this book is that, you know, I was a journalist for one of the major networks. I was on a great income. I was comfortable. My life was different. You know, every day I did a different thing. So I was stimulating, but you know, I'm a dis- I'm disruptive at heart and I'm naturally curious. And so, um, yeah, you know, while the television in- industry is is you know declining a little bit and and being disrupted by all these different ways of consuming media, and I'm talking back in you know 2009 to 2012, I became really interested in YouTube, and the reason for that, Tony, was that here I was at a TV station, I had uh, camera, yeah, you know, I had fully paid cameraman with a hundred thousand dollars worth of cameras. I had access to a helicopter with the ability to send pictures from anywhere. I had access to a link truck worth a million dollars. I had um, producers below me. I had editors above me. Like I had all the resources in the world to tell the greatest stories on the planet. Like it was just down to me. That was it. You know, my skills. And I would do, I would make, stories three or four minute videos let's break it down you know i think sometimes there's this divide between mainstream media and and social media media when really there isn't you can you can learn from both um so i was making these stories and we'd get the ratings next day and you know the show that i was on at the time i think you know eastern seaboard australia we'd get about a million views and a million views is significant because that's what's considered a viral video So I'd have all these resources. I'd get a million views on my story and yet I'd go home, get on my computer and I'd see that there's some kid in the back blocks of anywhere, you know, with his dad's old handy cam. And he's got a million views with no, with no support, you know, none of the skills. And, you know, I, I always, I'm always chasing for answers. That's probably, that's probably one of my blessings and also one of my curses, but I always chase answers. And the, the commentary around the time and a lot of the media companies had joined together with with internet companies. So where I was at Channel 7 had joined with Yahoo. And, you know, I, I was fascinated. I used to go to the top floor and speak to the guys at Yahoo and say, how do these videos spread? What is it? And you know, how do you guys judge to push them out? And the engineers were sort of looking at me saying, "What? Well, what is this guy doing up here for starters? And we don't really want to answer his questions. And, you know, what they were saying to me was, no, it's, it's just self-propelled. Like it's it's the power of the people. And so then the next stage for me was, well, what is it that's in the content that's triggering the people to push it? And how can I put that in my news stories? Because our news stories or our um, investigations were starting to be put on the internet as part of this half half, um, haphazard attempt by mainstream media to also please a, a digital audience. And so I started to chase this answer of, of what is it? And there really is a mixture between understanding new media and social, but also traditional storytelling. I mean, storytelling uh, in newsrooms has been refined for a couple hundred years, time tested every day. Yeah, hundreds of stories every day. That you, and when you do that, you start to learn what works and what doesn't. And then on social media, there's also learning there of well, how do you get the responses you need to spread something? So to wrap your question up. It's easy for anyone to do if you know how to do it. If you've got someone who shows you the way, and that's the point of this book, is that you know, I was on I I did a TEDx talk a couple of years ago, and from that that launched a speaking career. I hadn't even really considered it prior to that. Yeah, and so you go to these speaking events and they say, How many events have you done? You say, I've done one, one TEDx, and then all of a sudden you're on stage in front of three to five thousand people, yeah, as the closing keynote, and all these other speakers are like, Who's this? Who's this upstart? And then when they hear me talk on stage, yeah, they're not there in the green room afterwards because you get a lot of these. You get a lot of people who get up on stage and hey, you got to make video. You got to just pick up your phone and start talking and all that stuff. And I can tell you that is not the way it works. Yeah, you know, the internet's matured so far now that you can't just turn on your phone and speak because you're just adding to the noise. So people need structures, they need to understand storytelling structures, they need to understand triggers and nuances of the internet, and they need to understand themselves, they need to understand what stories they need to be telling from the position that they're in. And there was none of that information around. And and I just saw that as a gap and said, you know, this is something where I can help people. And, you know, inherently, in the end, you know, 2012, I left my job just to pursue finding this answer. And, and building this and I'm so glad I did I gave myself six months and it took five years
0: so what what have you been doing in the in the meantime like when you left the the newsroom and reporting and and um what have you been consulting for companies or how, how do you how do you pay for yourself and 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 stop your parents worrying about you
1: you sound like my you sound like my wife how are we <laughs> going to pay for all of this well you know what Australia is a magical company country uh tony i think you understand this that that you know um and i don't mean to say this begrudgingly to anyone or talk down to anyone but i think australia is one of those countries that if you want to make money you can make money it's one of those countries that if you want to have a go people will let you have a go and so when i left in 2012 i had a bit of you know had a bit of space had a bit of flying you know flying room and i spent that six months pulling together this the research that now is in the book And I was on the search for the answer to viral videos. What makes videos go viral? That was my own self-appointed PhD. And so I understand I had bills to pay, you know, two kids and a mortgage, and you know, and some very worried parents. You're correct. And so what I did is I had a production company, which I which I had running and still have running today, and that just ticks over in the background and, and gives me a nice, a nice base and also satisfies my want of being creative as well allows me that creative outlet and the second thing i had is i had a pr company because you know obviously i had a lot of contacts contacts in the news and journalism area at the time so i brought on a lot of companies to do pr i've since moved that company on and now i just have my uh, speaking and consulting business around video so how people can tell their stories get really clear on their brand story, set themselves some rules around the types of videos that they make and don't make. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that people fall into on social media is that they see their competitors making videos that go viral. And so they go, you know, their instant reaction is we're going to make one of those. It's the worst thing you can do. It never works because it has to come from you. And, you know, I suppose my thinking influenced by a lot of people, like Simon Sinek has had a little bit of an influence in it. Gary Vaynerchuk a little bit and it was really interesting when I when I finally went to write the book and I don't know what you think about this but I put myself on a 2 year hiatus of not reading anyone else's books and I went a year on doing or consuming their content so you know I, my time on YouTube for 2 years was pretty much just watching dashcam videos about of of, of things happening because I didn't want anyone else leaking into my thoughts I didn't want to publish a book and then have someone message me and say you've just ripped off or rephrased or repositioned I wanted this to be a unique different approach that they hadn't heard before and that was really hard for me because I'm a big reader so now I've got like eight books all lined up ready to go and I can't wait to get into them but
0: so when that I mean that's um that's incredible commitment to the outcome and and when the the perfect um reader of your of your book is it is it very geared towards a corporate or can can young teenagers be reading it and going, I just want to like, I just want to get a video out there and have it go viral? Um, who who's who's the best audience?
1: It's a really interesting question. I think the, the best audience, the people who can benefit from it the moment they pick it up are small business owners. So small business owners who don't have the budgets to compete with the big brands online. This really is um, a playbook to outperform big budgets. So, you know, big brands, and I've worked for many of them in my production company, um, big brands will, you know, they'll make videos and then they'll review them and they'll change them and and then they'll make them safe. And then when you make them safe, they're no longer that they're no longer as attractive to the Internet. It's not a place for always being safe. If you're going to make a video, it's safe. You put it as a TV ad and you know, it sort of gets in people's minds a little bit. But for small business owners who make their own decisions and want to be a little bit disruptive and don't actually know how to go about it in a way that's going to resonate with their own DNA, and I talk about viral DNA, and that's what it is, the stories that people tell out of their businesses are unique to each and every one of them. Even within businesses, I do a lot of work with real estate agents and you have the alpha sales guys versus you know, the kind, empathetic uh, rent roll managers. You know, so you've got one business, you've got two very different characters who, need to, who can be putting out content. So when I go to these companies, I'm almost setting up a soap opera so that people get attracted to the brands. But to answer your question, it's definitely disruptive startups i tell you, if I was a 15-year-old kid and I got to read this book, you would literally be, you know, almost a decade in front of anyone else just in just by understanding the how this works, not even implementing it, just like, okay, bang, I've got to set up, you know, what's my belief system? What are the rules that are going to keep me on track so I'm consistent? How do I tell great stories that are infectious? Um, you know, triggers and nuances, and then obviously the power of emotions. Um, which is a really interesting, yeah, it's a really interesting study. And and the one thing I never thought about when I wrote the book, Tony, was was feedback, or well, positive feedback. I thought a lot about negative feedback uh, when it went out, but positive feedback from people and the feedback I'm getting, like there was a woman in Detroit the other day who just messaged me out of nowhere and just said, I picked up your book. I, I really liked the cover and I didn't know what to expect, but, you know, wow, you've blown my mind. This is incredible. And, uh, yeah, i I find that, you know, you're in the book industry, so you know how they spread, but I find that staggering because so, I'm just, a, so,
0: just a kid yeah, so six so of January, it came out. So now, um, it's been out for five weeks and, uh, it sounded like it was an isolation project, but it wasn't, you were actually already, um, starting to gear up if you'd not been watching. YouTube for a couple of years, um, I guess um, COVID just gave you, um, you know, the the market to be able to go. Well, now you've got the time to to complete this project. Is that is that how it kind of came about? Or
1: well, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Tony, because I think it's the best way to be. I wrote I wrote the book three times. Uh, every summer holidays, uh, I'd go down to to the, to the beach with my family. Um, the beach house doesn't have really great internet, not even on mobile phones. And I'd get anxious because I was disconnected from my world. So I'd spend a couple of weeks down there with my family, but yeah, they were on school holidays. And so then I'd come back and I'd spend maybe an hour or two just ticking the business over and keeping work and then the whole afternoon writing the book. And so I, over three summers, I think I wrote, rewrote it three times. And then when ISO 1 hit in Melbourne, so about a year ago today, Mm-hmm. Um, I did my last on-stage speaking event and then I lost 14 in, a, 14 in 48 hours. Like my business just got blown up. And so, I, to be honest, I sulked for a couple of weeks, a little bit of a sook and thought, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go get a job. And, you know, yeah, this is too hard. Who knows what's going to happen? And then I thought, no, 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 I've got that book there. Um, let's get that done. And I'd been speaking to a couple of other authors about, you know, just the finer details, you know, worksheets and exercises and and how do you set it out and all that sort of stuff. And I think the word got out because um, the publisher approached me and just asked me if I had a book in me. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, I, th- I played it pretty cool, Tony. I said, uh, I said, oh, yeah, I think I do. And they said, oh, look, you know, can you get us a proposal within two weeks? Well, I had that proposal already done, so it landed within 24 hours, just tweaked it a little bit and then and then they said you know what that meeting went really well and they said oh look you know do you think you could have a book written in 12 weeks and i said well give me three and yeah that was it uh, and then yeah it actually it came out in bookstores um just before christmas which was earlier than it was meant to be it was supposed to come out on january 21 but the the retailers got um the retailers wanted a little bit of video, video instructional magic pre-Christmas, to compete with the celebrity chef cooking books and cricketers' autobiographies, and uh, yeah, so it went out. My marketing plan went out the door, and I just thought, you know what, this, let's just roll with it. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to sell this book out in the first six weeks. I'm looking to sell. You know, this book has a life of two or three years.
0: Mm. So what? Um, Have you launched your own video, viral um, book-selling kind of plan and program? Is it already out there? Um, The word spreading, what have you done in terms of promoting your own book?
1: Uh, I've made a lot of videos for the actual retail stores themselves uh, on how they can use um, strategies inside the book uh, to market their bookstores. I'm a big believer of, uh, you know, all ships, float on a rising tide and if this in you know if in during a time of covid you know retailers are struggling and shopping centers are struggling well you know the way to help my book get to more people is to help them stay open Mm -hmm. um you know even right here right now i'd love to offer you the opportunity to you know let's let's think of something together that we can do for booktopia i think booktopia is an incredible success story for this country and uh yeah i'd love nothing more to help. the burn for promoting the book's been uh, an interesting one. I'm not one of those people who goes out and pumps and pumps and pumps it, but there is a strategy in place for actually priming an audience to the point where they where they buy. And, you know, the social media algorithms are really smart now. They know when you're selling stuff. They know when you're offering value and they know when you're selling stuff. And at the you know, you've got to be careful and watch those that data and the analytics that when Facebook starts sending you messages saying, would you like to sell your product? Here's how you can use Facebook shop. Then you know that you've probably oversaturated the pumping of the book in your content. And then if they send you messages that say, do your videos contain ads in the middle of them outside of the Facebook guidelines. And you probably know they have watched your videos and and you're outside. Um, So there's a lot of videos to come uh, a lot of programs to come uh, connected to the book. And a lot of just a lot of just a lot of meeting people and hustling and and you know, people who need help saying, yeah, go to this chapter or get this book and, and read this bit. Um, a lot of one to one. I still believe that there's a lot of power in serving people and that human connection. And yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Too many brands get on and make videos on social media and and think that it's just TV 2.0 and there's no human touch. And, you know, one of the keys, and I don't want to get too much into the book, but one of the keys is, you know, if you overproduce your content, if you're too fancy, you're actually building a bigger gap between you and your customer or you and your audience. So sometimes there's magic in being raw and being rough and having your phone, you know, a bit bumpy and you're not looking your best. So there's a lot of strategies, a lot of strategies. And, um, you I think when I actually can confidently hold a proper launch that's when we'll start to see some of the bigger videos moving and and looking to move bigger numbers
0: Mm -mm. True. i'm just looking at one of the things that um i do when i do my um podcasts plugged and unplanned i'm here with jonathan creek a a um, connoisseur a a indiana jones of (laughs) of video um and and the impact that it has made on on society, he's, a, he's an archaeologist um, and a futurist. You're you're thinking about where things are going to be. And it's, it's interesting when I look at the the chapter headings that you've got here, that some of them stand, stand out. You put content is king, but with a question mark. Like, it's like,
1: yeah.
0: is it? Because everyone says content is king, but you've actually questioned that as part of your journey. And I don't like to tell too much about the book because um, I don't want to give anything away because I want people to go into their local bookshop. Or on Booktopia or wherever, and and buy it, of course. Um, but how can can you give us a little bit of a kind of an insight to your thinking or some some of the the content within the book, so we get an idea of what you know what we're in for?
1: Yeah, let's uh, look. I'm not I'm I'm not shy, Tony, and you know I don't go with. I don't go with the common narrative unless I truly believe that the common narrative is correct. In fact, I'm probably a little bit anti common narrative. If, if there's a trend and people are saying, this is the way, this is the way this is the way, I'll stop and say, no, no, let's have it. Let's actually look at the, let's investigate this and look at the data and let, let's see what the data tells us. Even if it's unpopular, I don't care. I'm going to be the guy that gives it to you straight. That's my promise. Always has been as a journalist. That was my promise. My job was to go there and report. And it it really pains me at the moment looking at media everywhere. Everyone's got so many opinions and agendas. I just wish there was someone out there that just fiercely went out to just report what happened with no opinion. And that's really uh, where I come from is this is my research. I've been doing it since 2012. And this is what I found. And this is how I interpret it. You may interpret it differently. Now, content is king is such a, you yeah, know, widespread term. People use it all the time. But let me give you a little example. I worked um, for a company called Two Times U. They were one of my clients when I first left. And, and I, I played a role in their ongoing content strategy. Now, people who don't know, Two Times You is a high-performance sporting clothing brand who recently, after 10 years, um, sold out to Louis Vuitton for hundreds of millions of dollars. A great Australian success story as a business start up to sell almost an overnight success, but really wasn't. And Clyde Davenport, who is also the founder of Davenport Boxer Shorts, and if you're in Australia, you remember Davenport Boxer Shorts back in the day. They were massive. And he said something really early on when I met him, and 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 he's I think he's a brilliant mind. He said, the world doesn't need another male grey T-shirt. I'm like, you're 100% right, Clyde you can go and buy a gray a male gray t-shirt from anywhere. And his business two times you was not about making any more male gray t-shirts in the world. There's enough. So every piece of clothing that they made at that company had to tie in to performance. It had to improve your performance. And so it was a really clear definition in the work in, in what, where they were and how they stood as a business. I'm really similar. The world doesn't need any more videos. In fact, Tony, there's enough crap videos already out on the internet to keep you busy for the rest of your life. So content isn't king because there's enough of it. Context is where it's got got to be relevant to the person watching it. And, you know, I give people people step-by-step guides on how do you make content that's not just adding to the noise? How do you make content that's going to cut through, draw people into you and into your funnel, and eventually if they want do business with you let's not add to the noise there's enough of it already you know we've, i don't know how many kids we've got on tiktok and i love tiktok but you know the the thing that's wearing out with tiktok is all the kids are getting on there and doing the same dances i don't know if you i don't know if you're big on tiktok tony but as the father of of two one teenage girl and one just under teenage years tiktok's this dancing app it's uh it's incredibly successful, but basically there'll be little snippets of songs, pop real songs. So they've got licenses to use it. And they'll make up these crazy sort of Korean sort of dances and and moves. And then all the other kids copy and it just spreads virally this one trend, but you get to a saturation point where the kids are, like, oh, I've already seen that one. I don't want to watch that one anymore. And they scroll through. The world's the same with business videos. Yeah. Um, You've got to not add to the noise. You've, you've content. You're not going to win. I've got this formula that I use in my keynote. I'm not sure if it's in the book, but I've got the whole book's based on a formula called spread factor, which is how, how the different points you have to hit in a formula to trigger someone to share psychologically. The second formula that I teach in my keynote is that 100 100 Tish. I'll say Tish because I don't want to swear. 100 bad videos equals 100 bad videos. You're not going to fight your way out of the quagmire by just making more really bad videos. So if you made 100 videos and it's not working for you, you've got to go back and make your videos differently.
0: So um, from your research as well then, uh, given how fast things are changing, something that worked three years ago, five years ago, a year ago, may not be working now you've got to be nimble and you've got to be um um and testing and recalibrating i i would imagine or is it or is it not is it actually the what you've seen is the the once you get into the rhythm of knowing what to create then you look you may be looking for different things but you're actually it's the same it, it's the same approach it's the same mo- model that you use what, what's your feeling on on that
1: my feeling on that, Tony, is that, and I was really aware of this um, because most of the social media commentary from social media market is, is always about the latest thing. So right now it's Clubhouse. You've got to get on Clubhouse. It's the greatest thing ever. I've seen hundreds of Clubhouse apps, hundreds. You know, it's, it's, it's just the world's on repeat. We've had Meerkat. We've had Periscope. We've had all these different apps and they pop and then they disappear. I made a real point of this, not to get caught up in fads. My book and my research is based on brain science. And I think that's where it's different. I did psychology at university. I did mass communication studies. And, you know, I have a love of what I call uh, weapons of mass communications, which are viral videos. So humans aren't evolving as fast as people like to think we are. I mean, humans have an overinflated opinion of their own development and you know the fact of the matter is that there's a couple of constants humans have been telling stories since before we had farms but as soon as they could draw on a wall as soon as they could sit around a fire as soon as they could communicate humans started telling stories and the brain loves stories so there's a couple of hurdles you have to get to uh, to convince a brain that it's getting a story and then once you get the brain locked in Then the way that you can control the brain and influence behavior remains the same. So for me uh, and, and my theories, they're based on evergreen. So the tools will change. The ways that we communicate will evolve. The technology will evolve, but essentially what actually has to happen, the steps that happen in the human brain will remain relatively the same. And Mm -hmm. once you know the formula of how to, get into someone's brain and influence their behavior and yeah i'm not saying that in a in an evil scientist type of way movies do it all the time Uh, you know i don't think there'd be many people listening to this podcast that haven't been to a movie at some stage and cried right and then and that's okay you know that's sort of a common accepted thing to do that if you go to a movie and it's sad you cry and no one questions you well you know i come along and say well you know, I ruined the movie and I say, well, why are you crying? You know, if I could, I'd, I'd have a remote control at my local vi- village cinema and I'd pause it at the time that someone's crying or the audience is crying. I'd stand in front and say, why are you crying? And they that say, oh, because, you know, you know the, the characters died, the love story's over. It's like, oh, no, no, hold on. They didn't actually die. They're an actor. And B, they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Don't cry over them. They're okay. You know, this is all right. But your brain's telling you otherwise. And it's that difference that everyone now has to be able to harness in order to market their business successfully. They have to understand that there are these levers and switches in brains that you can use to pull in business and to be successful and to cut through the noise and to stand out.
0: So all the work that you do, is it just purely uh, video and you leave – Print media and back of buses and bus stops and or, you leave that to everyone else or do you do you is it is it all inclusive when you think of marketing a company if you're a small business um, or, or is this really you know the the entrepreneurs part of the entrepreneurs toolkit in terms of look you got to so if you use the tools and and tactics that you've uh, researched and developed. In your book does that mean that that's enough to kind of get you to that that level how how do you see the whole of the media landscape
1: the the books the book's really interesting because it gives strategies and pathways across human connections and human instinctive behaviors the reason I focus on videos is because I see viral videos as the alpha predator of all content if you can create a video that goes viral spreads yeah, you've got to be over a million views or more. If you can create a, a video that spreads by itself to millions of people with no ad spend, then that's got to be the greatest marketing tool on the planet. So for me and the way that I work is that if, if I'm going to invest my time in learning something, I want to learn it from the best. Now the thing that viral videos do is they they trigger that instinctive response in humans. The thing, the reason why I focus on video is because video as a medium, because it's got movement, it's got uh, sound, is just more stimulating to the, to a human. We see our kids locked into televisions, you know, locked into their screens on their iPad. They're, you know, They're almost iPad zombies because it's so attractive to a human to see these moving pictures. Video is just, I believe, an easier way to get to the point. Of influence, if you can do it with a sign on the back of the bus, and that's what's viable for you, and that's that's why my company is called Virable. It's about viral, but also being viable for your business. And you know, people always say to me, "Oh, come and make me a viral video." Well, it's not always about making you a viral video. It's about giving you viral tendencies. Let's say uh, you get a thousand views a month across all your content, written, video, whatever it is, thousand views. If I can come in there and improve your content by ten percent, yeah, how many more customers are you going to get? If you get ten customers per thousand views, I can get you another ten percent. I've just won you another customer. I'm not a ten percent type of guy, Tony. I like to aim a little bit higher. But you know, I think you understand where I'm getting to. If I give you a million views, ten, and you get, and you're converting at ten percent. That's a great problem to have for someone who can scale, but most businesses can't. If you're a lawn, one-man lawnmower band, you don't need a million views to to have a great business. Yeah, okay. I mean, so it's all about being viable as well as viral. Um, but video, I just think is video is just the easiest way uh, to stimulate the human senses. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of push at the moment for audio. And you know, Clubhouse is sort of pushing that charge at the moment. Podcasts, I think, are great because you're getting closer to the person. So you know, podcasts are more intimate. You know, they're longer. They're not short and sharp. But if you're looking for that fast hit on social media where you need to connect quick and convert before someone gets distracted, then video is just the most efficient way to do it.
0: Interesting. I assume that anyone who's listening um, is as... Um, stimulated as i am you you got, you are probably pausing because you you're already thinking about your business or, a, or an idea or, or some sort of video idea that you've been that's been per- percolating in the background and you want to you want to get stuck into it i mean i mean you got to buy the book guys jonathan creeks like comment share buy and go into your local bookstore Buy it on Booktopia, wherever you can get it. Uh, there's an ebook version as well. That's why I assume people are buying it overseas at the moment. They're probably getting the e-version of your book. Um, the lady no, that contacted you, no printed, printed as well. Okay, through John Wiley, of course. They'd probably have a global release. So that's yeah. that's that's really exciting when you when you start getting uh, messages from around the world.
1: Yeah, I know. I think it's uh, I think it's in the US. Uh, today or tomorrow depending mm, on when terrific. this goes. So yeah it's it's pushing out there
0: so we're kind of unfortunately coming to the end of our of our session um is there anything that we haven't kind of touched on or you thought you, we might have talked about uh, that you want to share with the listeners um in some of the things that you get asked often that i haven't asked or that you might talk about in one of your public speaking engagements
1: i just think um probably one of the things one of the most common questions i get asked is how how do you get over that fear of being on camera it's probably the thing that's holding most people back and what i'd say to that is that if you're scared of being on camera you know, if you get that knot in your stomach of you know how do i make content how do i get my message out there and you're always finding excuses not to do it it's purely well 90% of the time i find it's because you don't know enough about yourself you don't know enough about your own brand story. You don't know what you should be saying. You're too romanced by what other people are doing. And so what I'd say to those people who are like, oh, you know, you know and there's a lot of people after COVID, Tony, who are now no longer in their corporate jobs. The world's changed. Yeah, they're going out as consultants. They're going out as, you know, solopreneurs. And this is all new to them. They've got the business idea. They've got the website. They've got the assets. But now how do I market it? And then they get to that point and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be frowned upon. I don't want to be called out as a fraud. You know, It's almost this imposter syndrome. What I'd say to those people is just take a day. Take a day. So clear your diary for a day. Make it a Friday, whatever. And just sit there and work out what are your values of your business? What do you talk about? What don't you talk about? What do you offer? What don't you offer? And then once you're really clear on that stuff, the stories will flow. And everyone's got stories to tell.
0: Yeah, that I mean that resonates with me. I've uh, Booktopia listed on the ASX in December, so prior to that, I mean, I mean, I, I do keynote speaking as well. Um, but um, to give people a bit of an insight, when you're doing those roadshows and you're you're selling your business and there's hundreds of people working for you and millions of customers, and you're in front of these uh, these guys who've got millions of dollars who are thinking of investing. Um, mm-hmm. It's, to me, it's a little bit like um, being in the third person or watching it from the from the director's office. Or if you think of you've seen shots or movies or scenes where someone's in the recording studio and there's the guys behind the glass going, you know, a bit high, bit higher, making all this, and it feels like you're in the recording studio um, doing the recording, but at the same time, you're also in the box analyzing, you know, how things are going and and the difference between kind of just, it's almost like coming down and into your body and being connected to the passion and the messaging and the information and who who what your business is. Because quite often it's not you. Um, this, uh, this is why when I think about, and this is a tip for anyone who's listening and you, for someone who's, who's built a business from nothing, it's like, it's, it's not you. You are not your business, right? You're talking about your business. So if you're passionate about your business, it's, it's actually not you. So you can have a lot of other fears and in, insecurities and, you know, I, I'm not sure about sure about being on camera or I look a certain way or I have a funny little quirky kind of thing that I do when I do, do these things. It doesn't matter. It's your business that you're actually talking about. You're a spokesperson for that business. And I think that's really um, helpful for people to kind of s- slide in and be, be within you, be that person within you. And, and that's a tip that I can share, having gone through quite a, a rigorous process of getting people to invest you know, tens of millions of dollars into your company. Um, um, and,
1: that, yeah, Tony, I don't, I don't think we should brush over that. I mean, that's a massive effort for you, so congratulations. I'm not here to blow, blow wind up you, but, you know, at a time of uncertainty, at a time when the world is, you know, not quite sure what's happening from one day to the other, you're out there listing your business on the Australian Stock Exchange, right? And not only that, you started a business about books back in what 2003, when everyone was saying the world's going fully digital, books are gone. Yeah, everything's going to be on tablets, and you know the Steve Jobses of the world and everyone else were out there pushing all this stuff about you know this is the digital existence. I mean, I work for Channel Seven and we moved into our new newsroom in about 2003 it's going to be the first paperless newsroom ever no use for paper well it lasted about a day until someone said well how do i where's the press release that i take to the news conference you're sending me to oh well someone better go buy some printers (laughs) um so congratulations to you and and i think what you were just mentioning there about people being nervous and and um they're talking about their business i think there's two two things that really resonate with people um COVID and talking over video has accelerated in this time if there's anything that's happened during this time more people have got more comfortable with video and learning from video and communicating with video but those nerves those inconsistencies those imperfections that you have when you're talking on camera that's the magic because that's what makes you human and I think you'll agree that the best way to market a business is human to human. If you can get that connection with a human, they're going to be more likely to play with you. And so embrace your imperfections. Embrace the fact that, you know what, I'm running late dropping the kids at school today, but I just wanted to drop this video because I've got this really good idea. But with those imperfections, make sure you understand the story frameworks and the order in which you have to tell your story. and then. Yeah, you'll see benefits like you've never believed.
0: I mean, it's interesting if you think about um, different types of companies. So Jerry Harvey is the spokesperson for for uh, um, Harvey Norman. Uh, Bing Bing Lee have their family um, doing all the ads. But if you think about Bunnings, you don't see the CEO or the executives of Bunnings or some actor. It's the people on the shop floor who are doing all those ads, and that's you know that's clever to a degree because uh, they're authentic. Um, that you can feel the passion on the floor for those of us that have been to Bunnings, and I'm sure most of us have done some sort of project at home over the last year um, that was being you know, shelved, and and so we've all been there, and and I th- just to see the difference between the two, I think it's, it's it's really interesting when you have these kind of conversations with an expert like yourself, how how um, two different um, s- same same video same you know, message of your your company, but um two different ways of, of connecting with the consumer.
1: Well I think that's really interesting and that, that starts getting into brand archetypes. And 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 brand archetypes are, are really important. And it's in there. It's all in it's all in there. Um, Bunnings is trying to be the ordinary guy. Right? Bunnings is like, hey, just come in here, you know, we've just got everyday people with you know fixing everyday problems. We're like you. We're Jerry Harvey and Bing Lee and those guys, they're coming from we're we're the T V experts. Yeah, you know, we're the experts in technology. We're the, ex- the problem is now is that there's probably greater experts elsewhere, for the for the um for the tech retailers and and the Jerry Harveys of the world. So he's got an interesting battle on his hands because I think what you're seeing now with the push of JB Hi-Fi and their success over ISO is that, you know what, we're not even going to spruik ourselves as being the experts of anything. We're just going to be the best price you can get getting your hands on something. So what they're appealing to is people love to buy online. People are happy to buy books online. People are happy to buy courses online, food online. But you know what? When it comes to a higher ticket purchase of like a TV, they want to be able to see it. They want to be able to get their hands on it. They're going to they buy a $3,000 TV off the internet by chance. And so then the battle's now coming down to price. And that's why Jerry Harvey's got his cheap, cheap, cheap. Trick, You yeah, know, it's, that's so all these tricks. I mean, he's a genius of a guy, but he's going to have to shift. And yeah, you know, for me, I, and I think you too, um, it's so interesting to watch. Like I could sit here and talk to someone like you forever about what these guys do and how they do it. I'm fascinated with the home shopping networks in America and how they run. Um, yeah. I think that might be my next challenge is, is whether, whether Facebook will become the new home shopping network. I've got a hint that I just think it will, and it's going to be really interesting because they've got all the data, and it's going to be interesting what they do with it.
0: What a shame we do have to come to an end. It's um, we're just getting going here, and uh, I look forward to the uh, the times that we cross paths again. Could very well be a, a second book uh, within within your journey. We could get a Tolkien's trilogy um, if we're lucky. Um, but uh, congrats, Jonathan, on the on the book. If uh, everyone like, comment, share, buy, um, it's it's got a funky cover, published by John Wiley, available globally, and and um, read it, use it, and make a difference to your business because that makes a difference to your customers, and that's the purpose of you know, of why you started in the first place. So congratulations and thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Tony. It was awesome.